You're listening to Cheyenne's News and Talk Station, AM 650, KGAB, Orchard Valley, Cheyenne, a Town Square media station.
Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Tap the banner to learn more about Napa. Participating locations will be unbeatable through this Easter weekend and into this Monday here across Cheyenne, the region. Enjoy highs in the lower to maybe in a few mid-70s. Nighttime lows, upper 30s to near 40 degrees. Days will be sunny to mostly sunny. Nights clear, dry through the stretch. Showers and some cooler weather arriving Monday night into Tuesday. I'm Dave Weather Meteorologist Mark Hewer. Good morning, good morning. Nick the Motor Guy back here on Cargab. Well, kind of back here because I'm actually going to take a bit of a break. I'm either stunning myself or out on a motorcycle or with a car or, you know, just taking a break from Cargab as much as I love it. I'm going to be doing some interviews today. There will be no calls in, but hopefully you enjoy hearing a few voices you may never have heard before, or maybe some voices that you've heard before with new stories. Anyway, here we go. And we're back on AM650 KGAB with Cargab. Nick the Motor Guy with you. Just want to remind everybody about Cheyenne Cruise Nights. Of course, that is going to be starting up again April the 17th. And we're going to be featuring cars and cookies. Yes, there are going to be Girl Scout cookies out there uh, for sale. Hopefully, we can get lots and lots and lots of people out there. Because still with the pandemic, social distancing, some of the challenges for the Girl Scouts, uh, April 17th is the last night that they can sell them. So come down, enjoy downtown Cheyenne, cruise your car, and we take any kind of car. It could be a classic car. It could be a tractor, truck, regular family vehicle, motorhome, you name it, bring it down. We even allow Toyota Priuses. Well, not that we really have control of what you come down with anyway. And of course, motorcycles and anything else, everybody is welcome. This is a great family thing downtown Cheyenne. I will be meeting as usual. There will be people parking all over downtown Cheyenne, going to local restaurants such as Two Doors Down, Samford's, uh, hitting the village in, going way out south to the uh, tortilla factory and all places in between. So part of cruise nights is going out and supporting your local restaurants then coming down and supporting the charity of the week and april the 17th is going to be again girl scout cookies where we've been meeting up uh, is at the state parking lot or what i think of still as the saint mary's parking lot or where saint mary's school used to be uh and just come down there come and see all the cars i uh, stop off at the underwood flowers take a look at those folks i uh, typically diane there she has a big old fire pit out and s'mores and everything else i uh, it's it's just a great time i want to thank everybody who's allowed this to grow april 17th will actually be one year ago that we started the first official Cheyenne Cruise Nights is a way of just getting folks out, supporting local restaurants, which of course at that time were shut down. They could only do takeout. And it was thanks to the generosity of all of you as community members who came out, supported those restaurants. And once we got the charity thing going a week later, supported those charities. I want to remind everybody, the community during Cruise Nights in 2020 a terrible year for a lot of people. But this community came together and raised nearly $40,000 of money 
put in the bucket for many nonprofits who would would not have survived, would not have been able to uh, sustain their missions without the generosity from each and every one of you. Plus, it lit Cheyenne up again. And I want to say thank you to the council members, particularly uh, Dr. Michelle Aldrich, who has put forward a uh, resolution to the city councils in support of cruise nights. Uh, that will be going in front of the uh, committee, uh, I believe the first Monday of April. If you would like to come out and voice your support for cruise nights, we would love to see you. The more people that come to the committee, the better. As I said, it is uh, nine out of 10 council members have co-sponsored this uh, resolution, which is fantastic and I can't thank them enough. And it means that we will have the support of uh, some of our community leaders. Again, I want to thank CPD for all the support they've given us over the year. And just see everybody come together. Light up Cheyenne on a Saturday night. I believe that come June, we're going to be getting Friday nights on the plaza. So Friday nights, Friday nights on the plaza. From April 17th all the way through to Halloween, we're going to have Cruise the Legend Cruise Nights here in Cheyenne. And for those listening out of the area, please come and join us. I've got a lot, we've got a lot of folks who've come down from Casper, over in Laramie, Fort Collins, Loveland, Greeley area. I want to thank all of you who've come. And if you haven't made it up, come and join us. Come and chat to the charities that are involved. We've got some really interesting charities this year. Um, some of them which have been supported by our wonderful AmeriCorps Vistas who are only in Cheyenne for a year but supporting the local community while they're here. And we've got two or three of those which I'll be talking about over the next eight months or seven months as we uh, continue cruise nights. So again, cruise nights in Cheyenne and the again there's no controlled thing it starts around six o'clock we like to try and get it kind of all uh, all finished up by 9 9 30 and then you know everything quietens down then by that time typically the charity's gone home the restaurants have closed and we can all go home with our cars knowing that we've had some fun we supported our local community. For those folks that are coming out of the area, it still gets them home at a decent hour. And I want to thank people like Mike down in Loveland with his uh, wonderful collection of GM wagons, who uh, has been a tremendous supporter of this. Uh, and and many, many others of you, and I'm sorry, I haven't met all of you, and I don't remember you all by name, but when you come up for cruise nights, when you make a cruise night, come up for a cruise night, and when we are live on the show please call in let me know you're coming because i would love to meet you i will be down there pretty much every weekend as will D doug arnold as will charles darlin um we were the three who kind of started to get this going uh up to nearly a year ago and then the wonderful debbie martinez uh, and Randy True both do magnificent photographs for us. Uh, Debbie has got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of pictures, which she's put up on the Cheyenne Cruise Nights Facebook page. If you want to see the charities and you want to see the photographs, you want to see the videos that happen 
each week. Follow us on Facebook, Cheyenne Cruise Nights, and you can see all the great pictures and what Debbie does. It's and what indeed what Randy does. It isn't just vehicles. It's not just buildings. It's people, and it's what makes a community and what's a what makes a downtown. And downtown Cheyenne on a Saturday night in 2020 during cruise nights felt as vibrant consistently vibrant as I've seen it in the 30 years I've been here. So please come and enjoy the fun. Again, the first night this year will be April the 17th in just a, a week or two, depending on when they play this. <laughs> and you can come down, enjoy Cheyenne Cruise Nights about 6 p.m. to about 9.30. Please, if you come down, behave, respect each other, no burnouts, no no racing. We don't want this spoiled for the majority. Um, but just come down, enjoy cars, enjoy your downtown, enjoy your local restaurants, enjoy your community. We'll be right back after a break here on AM650 KGAB. The Army National Guard is committed to keeping the country safe and our communities secure. Composed of hundreds of thousands of citizen soldiers from all walks of life and in every corner of America, the Guard is always ready to respond to local or national emergencies. The Army National Guard reacts to domestic operations in each of America's 54 states and territories, including Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, Guam, and the District of Columbia. Each state National Guard's unique domestic role is to act as the first line of defense in support of civil authorities in their state. The Guard's emergency responses include search and rescue missions for floods, combating wildfires, hurricane and tornado recovery, and the presidential inauguration. The Army National Guard. We are always ready. We are always there. And in every state and territory, we stand guard for our communities. To learn more, log on to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Wyoming Army National Guard. Aired by the Wyoming Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm Little Teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spell. No, Dad, like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pull me out. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. AM 650 KGAB, Nick the Motor Guy, back here on CarGab. And with me today for the next segment, or next two or three segments maybe, Tim Joannidis, uh, a good friend and tremendous mentor, and of course somebody well-known in the Cheyenne and Wyoming area uh, for being the owner of many years of Halliday Motors. And uh, general, generally superb philanthropist, supporter of this community, and the... Uh, brain, the brains and the brawn almost behind Cars and Cigars, a wonderful car show which had its inaugural event back uh, back in September of 2020, and uh, we are going to be doing the second one this year. And so I thought we'd chat about that and see what Tim's been up to in his refirement, as he puts it. How are you, Tim? I'm doing great. 
Actually, I'm doing better than I deserve, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> well, you were just complaining to me that you had to have your jacket on in the 55-degree uh, weather in Arizona, and I just want to say how sorry I feel for you. Well, it gave me an excuse to go out in the garage and, and uh, wipe down a couple of my classic cars that we got down here. So, actually, I did it. It, it, it was good. It's all good. But I'm not. I'm not complaining. It's. It's better than the weather you've been having in Cheyenne. That's for sure. Recently, but yes, indeed. Hopefully by this weekend, it's supposed to be back in the upper 70s. And you can get back out on the golf course. Yeah, go on the golf course. Send some of that 70-degree weather. Well, actually, send some 60 degrees, because if we got 70 degrees, Jim Casey's going to have GMCs floating down Westland. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I, I, can, I can honestly say I'm glad I wasn't there for that snowstorm. I, we, I've seen a lot of them over the years, but that time, looks like that was the daddy of them all. Uh, it was a biggie, but of course, I, as we spoke a little bit earlier, we were chatting, you would have still been the first one in the dealership. Oh, yeah. yeah there's, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think that's what we're, we're here to talk about today. But yeah, that's that was part of the challenge. I just figured if I could get there, everybody else could get there, right? That was always my philosophy. Oh, yeah. I remember. I remember when I first was working for you, someone said, you will never, ever beat Tim to the dealership, and they never did. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they call in, they say, well, you know, I can't get in. There's too much snow, whatever. I can't get out. I said, no problem. Well, I'll come out and get you. <laughs> I'll just come out and pick you up. And that single-mindedness is really what has created cars, um, cigars, and guitars. Because when you took me to lunch, um, a little, probably a little over a year ago, and said, "Hey, how about helping with this thing?" We uh, we, we really wondered if we could pull off a car show in a pandemic, but you assured me we could, and you did it. Well, there was never an option. I don't think we just. Uh it wasn't about me or you or quite frankly it wasn't even about you know the car enthusiasts it was more about trying to raise that money for those three charities that needed money and we yep. i feel really good that we all pulled together and we were able to overcome the obstacles and it was a very successful event it was and there was tremendous help from the entire committee and of course the yep. i chapter here in cheyenne who uh worked their, their tails off that day mm-hmm and we're going to be doing it all again on yep. September the 11th of 21. That's, that feels like it's a ways away, but I, I know how these things can get out of hand. We're, we're, we're less than six months to get this show on the road. Yep. Well, as you know, we've been meeting since a week after the last event. So it's, we've been preparing and we rehashed everything that we did last year. And we, okay, what can we do better? And what can we do a little different? make it uh, better for the car enthusiasts and, and for everybody involved and i think we've come up with some great plans and some nice some nice modifications you know considering it was the first year last year though we did we did a heck of a job we raised we netted thirty nine thousand dollars for three charities you know, thirteen thousand each for family promise and habitat for humanity and safe house each got a check for thirteen thousand dollars for a, off that that car show event so it was a it definitely was a uh, it was a very, very much a success, but it doesn't mean we can't do better this year. And by the way, we don't want to forget to mention that it, this is all presented by our, our local HEPA Cowboy Chapter 211 here in Cheyenne. Absolutely, and uh, they, they're a huge part of this. And, of course, we shouldn't also forget our major underwriter. Um, yes. 
Without our, our under, premier. Yeah, our premier yeah, underwriter. We have, yeah, we've got a number of underwriters, but our premier underwriter, uh, and he signed a two-year agreement. So, uh, matter of fact, I just talked to Sam this morning. But Charles, Sam Runyon and his staff with it, Charles Schwab here in Cheyenne is our, they're going to be our premier underwriter again this year. So it's a, and they were truly a blessing for us and, and they got the checkbook out and they, but in addition to that, they had people there at the event helping out. It was just a, it was just a wonderful event. Well, again, shows the strength of this community. Uh, and uh, we both, well, all the committee, particularly yourself, got on the phones, rattled cages, opened doors, and people opened checkbooks and came to the event, made it the event it was. But absolutely, Sam and uh, his Charles Schwab folks, they, they just did us proud. Yep, yep. And we had a, we had a you know, we had... Over thirty, you know, underwriters and sponsors, and I mean, they all they all stepped up, and uh, they, uh, you know, Sam and his group were the premier underwriters. But we had a lot of other folks there as well at other levels, and, and again, it was it was the combination of all that that, made, that all made it happen. And thanks to our generous sponsors and and underwriters, we uh, they were able to cover all of our overhead expenses. So all the entry fees and all the extra money we took in all went towards our our three charities. Yep. And of course, these stars were the cars. And when we got to the show, what a day. Yep. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, we had a little over 100, I believe, uh, really nice classic cars. And of course, this year, with no COVID going on, we're going to be able to increase that dramatically. But cars came in. We had people registering their cars from all over the front range, Colorado, Nebraska, other parts of Wyoming, of course, including Laramie County. I mean, some of these people trailered them in. They didn't want to drive them that far, and they put them on a nice trailer and brought them in. And, but we had a really nice variety of classic cars. And I think it really proves the theory that you and I have talked about many times. The love affair for the automobile hasn't gone away by any means. It's still, it's still strong in this country. It is. Uh, well, it was such a foundation for what this yeah. country is. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Route 66 or the interstate system. Um, yeah. And as, as we've talked many times from the the the... The, the early days of the 20s and 30s into the heyday, what considered could be considered the heyday of the 50s, and for us more enthusiastic power people, certainly the 60s and early, early 70s. Right, right. Of course, that was my generation in, in the 60s, and I can't tell, I can tell you, but I can't share all the stories. <laughs> race, race, racing, street racing, you know, car, these, these high-performance uh, cars. But in any case, we, uh, it was a great event. We had nice, you know, and it didn't, we had different types of cars. I mean, we had European models, we had Jaguars and, and uh, some other European models there, but we had a lot of good representation of, uh, of General Motors products and Ford products and Chrysler products. And we just had a little bit of everything, and it was just, and they were spread out nicely, and the cars weren't, you know, crushed together. And, and we've got enough room out there. Uh, we're going to probably be able to add at least another 50 to 75 cars this year. With, oh, without with any idea. problem. Yeah, and with the idea of growing it to another two or 300 cars over the next couple of years as the, as the event grows.
Absolutely. And then, of course, great entertainment supplied uh, by uh, Mr. Bird and the Perfect Strangers, uh, who, yeah. uh, who, uh, heck, rather th- I think one of my great things was sit- standing in on your deck at one point, looking across all the cars, mm-hmm. listening to the band playing and watching people in yeah. all different manners dancing between the cars. It was just a great sight. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. And the food was tremendous. The, it yeah, was. the boys did a great job of we served tri-tip steaks. It wasn't a hot dog and hamburger event. <laughs> but, you know, for $100 a ticket, you expect to get more. And we provided it. And they got, they got nice entertainment. And they, had, uh, they got some free cigars if they chose to have a cigar out there. And, and by the way, the cigars didn't offend anybody. They were, were outside on 10 acres. And so yep. everybody, nobody, uh, everybody was cognizant of their space. And, and uh, if, if you wanted a cigar, you could do it. Yeah, without offending anybody, but Absolutely. more importantly, the like I say, the food was wonderful, and we had a lot of we had a lot of our you know a lot of different types of alcohol, non-alcoholic type of drinks. And so it was a it was really really a, a fun event. Our 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 motto was that or our theme was that, that we wanted it to be the premier charity classic car show in the tri-state region. Automotive enthusiasts celebrating the motoring lifestyle and improving the community along the way. Yep, and I think I think we were able to accomplish that. Oh, and I th- I think it was just the start of it. I'm really really excited for this year, and of course yeah. we got some uh, some great things coming. And I I don't know if we can even if we finally got all the uh, paperwork back on that, but um, if we don't, we can announce that later. And there's some exciting news. Well, just to whet everybody's appetite, it looks like we're going to. Uh be uh, this is going to be a televised event this year we're in the process of negotiations with three or four major uh, TV networks that have uh, automobile uh, programming and uh, that they, they you know they, they specialize in automotive programming classic car shows and, and, and that kind of stuff so we uh, looks like we're on the on the edge here and we're, we should I think by the next show we'll be able to announce which, which stations and what programs will be on but it appears that we're going to we're going to be shooting this live out of the out of our event this year so that's going to really put us on the map and I I really can't help but think that you know car enthusiasts are a different breed as you know <laughs> Nick and somebody's going to be sitting there in their, in their garage or working on their car watching this thing or at their living room or whatever uh, or the neighborhood pub, and they're going to see this on TV. And say we got to go next year. Yeah, we're going to take and we're going to take our car. You know, we're going to go and have some fun. We're going to go and see what these Wyoming guys are all about. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it'll certainly be a lot of fun. Well, I, I thanks for your time today. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then we okay. will bring you back in, and we'll talk Sounds to good. folks about how they can uh, get the car registered, because we'll take car sure. registrations from, well, pretty much right away, right? Yeah, we're, we're just about, I'm not sure if the website's up, but it will be any day now, I think. Yep. Not, we'll, we, we should be in a position to start taking registrations early. And, and if you were there last year and attended, we're going to make the registration process a little a little, uh, a little faster for the ones that are going to pre-register this year that were there last year as well. Perfect. Well, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with Tim Joannidis here okay. on AM650 KGAB. It was a goal that I wanted to achieve at the very beginning. I'm a 40-year-old man that walked in there to get his high school diploma. I wasn't sure if I could do it. It was very hard for me, but the teachers, the counselors, they help you. 
One of the teachers was uh, Miss Araceli. Miss Araceli, she gave me direction. Every single time I had a question, she'll put down whatever she's doing and she'll come over and she'll sit there with you until you get it. At age 47, with the help of his teacher, Marco finished his high school diploma. 50% of getting your high school diploma is walking through those doors. The other 50% is doing the work. Getting your high school diploma, it is a life-changing experience. It really is. It catapults you to where you want to go. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. The census is a special time when we count every single person in the country. Do kids and babies count too? Of course. Counting everyone in your home helps support your neighborhood by funding schools, hospitals, and more. So complete the census by calling, going online, or returning your form by mail. It's totally private. Visit 2020census.gov and make your family count. Brought to you by Carnegie Corporation of New York and the Ad Council. people my age to get vaccinated. Vaccination is safe and is the most effective way to prevent the flu. Get the facts. Go to flu.gov. Together, we can all fight the flu. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. In 1977, an eight-year-old boy picked up the game of golf from his father. The odds of that same boy winning the U.S. Open twice, one in 1.2 billion. The odds of him having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 110. Ernie Else encourages you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. NASCAR champion Bobby Lavani here with my brother Terry and my nephew Justin. You know, every sport has its essential safety gear. For racing, we wear helmets, fire-retardant suits, and Nomex gloves. For fishing, waterfowl hunting, and boating, we wear life jackets. After an intense race, there's nothing more relaxing than bass fishing or a little duck hunting on the lake. But we're the first ones to tell you, on the track or on the water, accidents happen fast. Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors, the easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. Weather conditions will be unbeatable through this Easter weekend and into this Monday here across Cheyenne region. Enjoy highs in the lower to maybe in a few mid-70s. Nighttime lows, upper 30s to near 40 degrees. Days will be sunny to mostly sunny nights. Clear, dry through the stretch. Showers and some cooler weather arriving Monday night and Tuesday. I'm day weather meteorologist Mark Hi, Cap. I want to know what is the census? Ah, the census is a special time when we count every single person in the country. Do kids and babies count too? Of course. Counting everyone in your home helps support your neighborhood by funding schools, hospitals, and more. So complete the census by calling, going online, or returning your form by mail. It's totally private. Visit 2020census.gov and make, make your family count.
Brought to you by Carnegie Corporation of New York and the Ad Council. And clever and smart. Hey, I know. My new HD radio. Loving my new HD radio. Nick Lavota guy back here on AM650. KGAB with Car Guy with Tim Juanitas. And we're chatting about cars, cigars, and guitars. And it is the 2021 event. We now have the Facebook page up and running. And if you weren't able to make it to the event in the last year, um, you can go back and see what happened because thanks to Debbie Martinez, who took some really magnificent pictures during the event, uh, you can see what we are doing and, it, and see what we're planning for 2021. And if you would, although we don't have the website up yet, that should be up and running here within the next three to four weeks. And I will let you know on the show when that's going. But for now, if you do want to get a jump on how to get your car registered, you can send us a message on Facebook. Look up uh, cars, 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 cigars, and guitars on Facebook, and you can message, and that will come to either myself or Nick Moores, and we'll get right back with you. Um, if you'd like to help or volunteer at the event, please feel free to do that as well. We could always use more volunteers, right, Tim? But at and we got almost to the point we will be announcing the charities I would think in the next month. And if we're lucky, we we'll get to see. Uh, you know, got a, everything we got to narrow that one. Last year we had three charities. This year we're anticipating a huge increase, so we're going to we're going to stick our neck out a little bit, but we're going to have a minimum of five charities this year that we're going to do what I can. Yep, and we're going to hit those goals and those charities. I mean, every charity nonprofit in the whole country really took it hard. I mean, it's tough on everybody. Um, and uh, being able to go out, enjoy one's fellow uh, human being in a field with automotive excellence and raise a lot, and raise a lot of money. I mean, what, what a better way to spend a beautiful September evening. Yeah. And you know, the date uh, this year is September 11th. 21, which is the anniversary of 911. Yep. And uh, we're going to, of course, be honoring some of our local first responders. Yep. Amongst others. And we're going to make sure that uh, we do so. We're going to got some nice events planned for that as well. Indeed. And, uh, don't forget about the motorcycle raffle. Tell us about that. Well, uh, Shire Motorsports you will again be donating a motorcycle. Um, we are still in the decision-making uh, piece, but I have spoken to Mike Rock, who is uh, CEO of Royal Enfield North America. He thinks it's a great idea, is very supportive of it, and we will have a new Royal Enfield motorcycle, which we will have announced as to exactly what it is here within the next probably two months, get the tickets made up, and you will have a chance to buy those tickets well before the event. We're going to make sure those are available through the website. We're going to make sure those are available all around town here in Cheyenne. And for $25, you could be riding a brand new Roll Enfield motorcycle. 
And I think it's Boy, definitely really the best exciting. strategy Thanks moving forward, considering the current makeup of Congress. And, we, how many tickets and we sell last uh, About 11,000 bucks worth of tickets last year. The Biden-Harris yeah, administration, amazing. we might as well just in about three and a half start weeks. getting used to saying the, yeah. the Harris administration, <laughs> but putting that aside. We won't get into that. Um, so sure. we now have a lot of evidence of everything that's been happening at the border. We now see what the policies of Joe Biden brought us. He proved me wrong. the state of Mexico <laughs> policy, <laughs> stopping the border wall construction, bringing back catch and release. We now see the kids in cages are back, back and it's worse than Absolutely. I was just about to say, the three charities, of course, it's great when you involve charities. You and I have done a lot of charity work, and we've worked with a lot of charities. And some charities really grab the ability to both hands to go, yeah, we're we alongside. We're going to do everything we, we can. And all three of those guys of, last year busted their rear ends uh, when tests in every way. Given. They were fantastic. We now see Eighty-seven right. million just Let's for hotels alone. You worried about yeah. the cost of what this means so sure to all of us? It's going to be a million people they expect in. by June or what early July. The latest. How do they get their well, tickets? that means absolutely. Go ahead. Housing. Well, first of all, we're not going to raise the prices. Everybody will need a lot of people. Health care. Everybody's going to need everything. No, no. And you'll be paying for it at a time we can least afford it. And of course, now we have more and more people and that means we are wages will, will just be driven downward every uh, single day. And that's not going to help anybody. Uh, we now see just so how bad the situation is. We're going to trailer a car in or drive in and want to spend the night or two. Uh, they can get a special rate at Little America, which is really nice. And they got plenty of safe parking out there as well for their cars. But the tickets are still only going to be $100 a piece. And, of course, that $100 not only enters your car and yourself, but it entitles you to the, the tri-tip dinner and all the free drinks and, and uh, they have the live uh, entertainment, plus the opportunity to look at all these hundreds of cars. So it's really, really a good value. And then again, once again this year, for only $50 more, you can uh, you can purchase your second ticket for your, your spouse or your significant other. Uh, so I think that really makes it super affordable uh, for, for those that are bringing their cars especially. And that 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 will and they can register more than one car, right, Nick? Yeah, yeah, I believe they can. I believe that happened a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so several people registered, you know, two or three cars, and uh, which is which is great. So in any case, that's that's how it works. And we'll again, our once the website's up, they'll be able to do so. Or if they want to uh, uh, contact you versus uh, Facebook or a text or whatever, that'd be great. So we'll, we'll make the registration really easy this year. And for those that participated last year, we won't need a photo this year because we already got your photo of your car. So uh, we'll, we'll be able to skip that, that step. Uh, but we're, uh, it's, again, it's, we're really excited about being able, uh, be able to offer the, uh, pr- the premier classic car event in, in the front range. And, and frankly, we, we're getting calls from all over the country. People just can't believe that. You know what, what a great value this thing was, and what a great yeah. response we got. Well, and and here in Cheyenne, this is where really, 
I mean, and yeah. then they're excited to come come to somewhere different. And of course, yeah. we're going to tie it into uh, cruise nights as well. So the event, yeah. once it has ended, you can come down and cruise downtown uh, with Cheyenne Cruise Nights, which yeah. typically saw, and Tim, you could brought the caddy and a couple of the other cars down on different nights. Yeah. And I mean, there yeah. were 500,000 classic cars down here yeah. in the evenings. Yeah. So people could really do both. I mean, they can come to our, our event starts like around four o'clock in the afternoon, and, and uh, they can leave there. What, what we think? What did we say? Around seven or seven thirty or eight? Yeah. Yeah. Go down to cruise night and, and make a day of it. Absolutely. Something well, else I forgot to mention that's really important is we're going to continue, even though we're anticipating the COVID's going to be way behind us. We're still going to provide a very safe environment for for all to enjoy. Absolutely, and we we got some Back of our. Yeah, and on our facilities side, we've got some great military and ex-military folks who really helped us get that organized. Did a fantastic job. I don't. Yes. There was at no point did I feel that we were anything but spot on with uh, the cleanliness and everything else, oh. and the yep. um, it just worked perfectly. And again, thanks to those guys, uh, oh, yeah. who, Jim and Ty and all their folks who just did us proud. Yep. Yeah, and you know that uh, I think as we've talked, that something good comes out of everything, and and even with the COVID behind us, I think there's, a lot of these practices aren't going to end. Exactly. And I think the sanitization, sanitization of the tables and the chairs and the and the eating areas and the, all the different stuff, the touch areas and having hand lotions around and those that want to wear a mask can certainly wear a mask. And yep. I mean it, that's it, you know some of that's all that stuff is really good stuff. So it's uh, I think we're. I'm really glad. Actually, it was it was a blessing that we were able to we were able to do this last year, even in, in the midst of all that. So in we the midst make of sure all we were doing it right. Yeah. Well, Tim, thank you for your time today. We, of course, we're going to have you back on many times before we get to September. But great. we want to get people to. excited about it early on because it's going to be a great event again. Cars, cigars, and guitars under the stars. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Tim Geronis. We will uh, speak soon. Bye-bye. We'll talk soon. Bye now. AM650, KJB, Nick the Motor Guy, back here on CarGab, and this time I have a character for you. And when I say a character, I mean somebody who is larger than life. Not that old, but with lots and lots of history within Cheyenne with his family. We're going to chat a little bit about that. We're going to chat a little bit about some music. And if you know, when I talk about music, I probably have a bass player on the show. And if it's not PJ, it's got to be this guy. And this guy is Jeremy Royer. Hey, Jeremy, how's it going? Hey, Nick, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we're going to chat a little bit about your history, because just a three, four weeks ago, we were trying to get some promotion going for the good old Diamond Horseshoe, that great cafe over on uh, South Greeley Highway, yeah. and we started to expand a little bit on your childhood, um, which was quite a long time ago. I mean, not... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not like talking to Max and saying prehistoric times, but it was a while ago. Well, you know, um, <clears throat> Max has fond memories of the French Revolution, and, uh, and we think that those are great. Well, well of course he has fond memories. He probably has fond memories of 1066. <laughs> and as I've pointed out to him, how sad do you have to be as a nation when you are celebrating your last true military victory a thousand years ago? Well, um, 
Anyway, we, 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 we're not here to beat up Max or any other Frenchman who happens to be foolishly listening. Now, we, does, does everybody understand what's going on, that this is recorded? Um, yes, they do. I actually, uh, I actually expanded on that. I have a little intro where it says, don't call in because the people who are talking are just going to be hanging with me. So this is a this is a different deal because I'm I'm at home I'm in my my atmosphere here I'm in my dark basement. Excellent, with, and with I, my favorite refreshment. Even better, uh, and so you pretty guitars, and, and you've uh, even got your own green room. I I it's blue. Oh, it's blue. Whatever. <laughs> But yeah, something like that. Yeah, so we are relaxing. We don't have Zoom going, so if you're sitting around in your underwear, I, I don't want to know. Just leave it alone, Jeremy. I got leave it. Leave it alone. For you, I want to I say. Oh, okay. Just for you. Uh, I, Shaft just, and everything. Excellent, I think. <laughs> <laughs> As I said to Jeremy before we came on with this, um, I have no idea where this is going, and I apologize to folks right up front. The good news is it's not live, so if it's really terrible, Matt's our fabulous engineer who's going to actually listen to all this stuff could go, nope, I'm done with this. <laughs> so this may never see the light of day. This may be one of those cuts. You know what? In, in the music business, there's a lot of those cuts. There are a lot of those cuts. But in the AM radio business, as long as we stay on the good side of the FCC, I think we're going to be just fine. I, I have memorized George Carlin's list of words we're not allowed to say. Yes, and, and so don't go there. Stop yeah, it. Good. We got it. All right. So history lesson. History Who lesson. was your grandpa? My grandfather was Marv Royer. Um, so he opened Mars Mobile Home Supply in Cheyenne. What uh, year was that? That would have been 59-ish, I think, 58, 59, somewhere in that neighborhood. He um, was from Littleton, Illinois, which is the little town on in, in Illinois that you almost can't find on a map. <laughs> um, and uh, sometime in the 40s, they moved to Loveland, Colorado. Um, because my great-grandfather had come down with some disease that was related to the humidity. Okay. Um, and so he needed a drier climate, and uh, Colorado it was. So they moved to Colorado, and uh, from there my grandpa met my grandmother, and they got married, and he went to Korea. And after Korea, he was uh, a traveling salesman for a bit. Um and he sold mobile home and RV parts um, uh, out of the trunk of a car, basically. And he had this big sales area that went all the way up into Montana. And so they always gave him big sedans, and he drove around and, and uh, did that. And at some point in time in the late 1950s, they decided that they could do this better on their own. And um, he opened that shop there, and he was the first mobile home dealer in Cheyenne. Wow. Uh, some others came later. Uh, then they were delivering mobile homes on the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> uh, so they were really just a little aluminum house trailers. Yeah. And um, he stayed in the in the mobile home service business. Uh, he quit dealing sometime. I don't remember. Some other fellows opened up. I think Bob Kidd opened a mobile home dealer up. And, um, 
a handful of different guys came in and opened dealerships and um grandpa just wasn't really a sales driven guy i mean he's not he's not one of those make the heart sale kind of guys right and uh so he quit doing that and just kept doing service work and so i kind of grew up um there when i was born we lived in a modular home behind the shop on south greeley highway and uh i just hung around the shop and i knew you know my earliest memories were crawling around the old trucks and things like that grandpa always had old cars and trucks and farm equipment out back and um and his favorite tractor right several tractors so he was a he was a tractor collector he um had olivers and john deeres and nine in fords and eight in fords and and that's that's really when i was real small um that was my playground was climbing around in old dusty trucks and i'd come in uh, covered in rust and grease from my head to my toes perfect yeah that's awesome and of course uh lunch was occasionally had at a certain place in town usually aboard a tractor right well and so this was after i had come back we moved to california uh in 87 okay somewhere in that neighborhood and after i came back my grandmother had passed away and my parents had divorced and i came back when i was about 15 years old and lived with grandpa and uh, that was, yeah, that was absolutely the thing. Uh, in summer times, too, when we'd come home to visit in summer times, uh, Grandpa had uh, restored a Fordson Major diesel tractor, mm-hmm. English Ford diesel. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he would fire it up, and we'd jump on the fenders and ride down South Greeley Highway to the Diamond Horseshoe and, and have uh, lunch, breakfast, dinner (laughs) (laughs) now at that point you would have driven past a few other places that would have the a&w would still in business at that point Uh, let's see by the time i got back i think beef and bird was gone but uh, it was there when i was a young guy so that was our spot uh grandpa would have coffee and i'd get a root beer and uh we'd would go down to the beef and bird there is what it was the called beef and bird yeah. and of course right just up the road from you was the hatched egg right which had also pretty well closed down by the 90s yeah but I, I know it was closed down by the time i got here in 92 because there used to be all these cool cars parked all across the front windows i remember going over there and staring in the windows and thinking it must have been such a cool business when 85 was the main road and um that history being lost is so sad yeah well and and just you know being able to basically open our windows in the summertime and and hear what was going on at the Country Motor Speedway on a Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, that continues. It is the one of the oldest short tracks uh, still operating in the country. Yeah. Um, it is. Uh, it's. Uh, and I'm hoping at some point that we may have somebody from there on the show as well. Well, that would be excellent. So we'll do a little a bit of promotion of for them. And I think that they're going to be able to kick back in and have a good season this year is what uh, we're all hoping. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping and with the, I think with the success of things like Cruise Nights uh, there's a lot of younger folk 
2030s who are starting to find the delight of uh, their cars and their motorcycles. And maybe we're having a renaissance here. I don't know. But it does feel a little bit different to the way I felt about it just two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems... I, I may have been the last generation that was really raised around... Uh, you know the old big cars and big blocks and, and a lot of those kind of things um, you know, grandpa dad my uncles everybody always had you know these great collections of cars um, and more for practical use you know grandpa yeah. wasn't really a hot rodder uh, but he always had a big sedan for grandma to drive and, <laughs> and um, sedan or a wagon Usually sedan uh -huh. by my time. Uh, I don't know if they had any wagons back when my father was small. They may have. Um, but uh, by my time, it was uh, Cadillacs and, and Lincolns and things like that that were all from the 70s. And that's, and, yeah, those uh, pretty cool memories. Those were great cars. Well, Jeremy, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. We'll talk a little bit more about your history and your family's history, and it's a big part of uh, Cheyenne. I mean, the mobile home service, I remember clearly when I came to town. So we're going to chat about that more when we get back here. AM 650, KGAB. And we're back. Nick the Motor Guy with Jeremy Roy here on CarGab on AM650 KGAB. We've been chatting a little bit about Marv's Mobile Home Service, which was a... a, a a big part of uh, business here, right in Cheyenne, for many, many years. Started, you said the 50s, right? Yeah, uh, in, in the late 50s. Um, and I just don't remember exactly what year. Uh, but it was, they had bought a house and basically built the shop on the front of the house. I remember that. I remember going in there because when I came down, Brooks and my first place was a mobile home um, in the blighted trailer area uh, right behind the Diamond Horseshoe. That's where Brooke and I started out. Right. And I think we paid five grand for it. Um, and we borrowed all of that money right downstairs here in the American National Bank building. Um, and... I didn't know anything about mobile homes, and I sure as heck didn't know anything about uh, when they went wrong, so I had to learn. And I remember going in to Marv's and talking, I'm assuming, to your granddad, an older gentleman who was always mega helpful when I went in. Yeah, what, what year was this that you had... Mid-90s, early to mid-90s. Mid-90s. So that would have been right about the time that they were transitioning out, they were retiring, and uh, my uncle... Gene took over the shop. So Gene and Jan ran the shop up until uh, they retired here just a few years ago. Yeah, this would have been right around 93, 94. Right. Yeah, so that would have been, well, no, let's see. You would have probably seen Grandpa. Uh, Grandma died in 93. So you would have probably seen Grandpa. Yeah. Um, I say it was it was definitely an elderly gentleman who was down there, and I say he was. If I remember, he was slightly hard of hearing, and my accent was a lot stronger than it is today. And it was always quite an adventure. Yeah, no, he was. He didn't hear well. <laughs> 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 I think we were finally able to get him in hearing aids when he was well, eighty-seven or eighty-eight. Well. And, and he really didn't ever like them. <laughs> uh, I, and I know a lot of people like that. My father is at the top of that list. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but, but have you noticed with people who are hard of hearing, particularly if they're related to you, particularly if they are like, well, particularly if they're your father, I found, that they don't hear well until you're muttering something under your breath and then their hearing suddenly becomes magically restored. <laughs> Probably something to that, especially depending on what it is. Uh, yeah, so of course, you know, you being the perfect child that you were never got caught like that. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those strange situations that my, you know, family was good and my grandfather was definitely good. And uh, and I just wasn't. <laughs> so... <laughs> know where that came from exactly yes yes i only had a flair for the darker side of yes i i think i was along those lines my 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 sister was was, was the good kid and i was well uh, yeah i wasn't but we had fun right uh, i had a blast um my brother and i got into a debate about who was the good kid one time prodded along by a distant relative of ours and uh well, either way, I probably shouldn't say on radio what my response was, but... No, don't. I think we... <laughs> I think we resolved that it's a tie. Oh, okay, excellent. <laughs> well, well, well left alone there, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, and you found music, and uh, that, that will always change one's perception of things. It does. And, of course, that was my father's fault, too. That was your father's fault as well. So, yeah, my father uh, with music, it's funny. Music and automotive, motorcycles, etc., do tend to just really go together. Mm -hmm. um, uh, now, with music, for my father, it was a fairly steady diet of uh, Wagner and classical music, which I, I, I still absolutely love, although I can't quite recite the uh, entire Wagner ring cycle like I was able to at the age of eight. Well, you know, you're you're allowed to forget a few things. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening, and I'm sure he's shaking his head with disgust right now. <laughs> and that means next time he's over, we will be listening to him, which will be just fine. Yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll even come. I'll, I'll sit in with you. You'll sit in with me on that. Excellent, excellent. So. We'll uh, change it up a little bit because this is going to be heard over the uh, next few weeks as I take breaks. And, of course, we're, we're, sta we're sitting here uh, March the 24th. Things are opening up. Mu live music is uh, starting to happen. Uh, just last week, uh, there was some, some great stuff going on. And you are going to be uh, playing some gigs as uh, some of your friends, correct? We are. Um, yeah. So we're Mr. Bird and the Perfect. <clears throat> Excuse me. I apparently have a dog barking here. <laughs> we're Mr. Bird and the Perfect Strangers, of course, and so we'll be booking some stuff this summer. Uh, looks like most most things are going to get back going. We're we're really hopeful uh, that the Midtown kicks off soon. Alice has been doing a great job. Yep. And they've been booking pretty steady. Uh, the Terry Bison Ranch has been doing really well. Um, and has been booking real steady stuff. Yeah, they have. And uh, Friday nights on the plaza looks like that's going to be full speed ahead, so that's great news. Yes, and depending on when this airs, <clears throat> I may or may not have an announcement about that, but I think it's still a secret. All right, well, we can uh, hold on for that, and I know that uh, on the live weekends, I will be dragging you on when you're not on the road delivering gasoline. Absolutely. That'd be great. Or should I say passing gas? Passing gas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
So, and uh, uh, the Lincoln is reopening. Um, looks like they're starting to get some steady shows, so that's pretty exciting and a great venue with a lot of people really haven't been able to enjoy yet. So, right, uh, they they are still very very restricted in capacity. It looks like, but hopefully right. that will start to change. Uh, it you know the sooner the better. It looks like there's um, some new advisories. Uh, according to the New York Times, anyway, they're saying that three feet is is more appropriate than six, and I I expect uh, by summertime we'll have that down to zero feet, which is probably where it belongs. To start. Yeah, well, and it's certainly as they that quite honestly, the the vaccine and whatever starts to starts to change things. Uh, I'm just relieved to see things open. I'm relieved to see people hopefully starting to find their lives again. And certainly a big part of that for a lot of people is going to be live music being back. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I saw a um, I saw a meme on Facebook or something the other day that said, uh, the real healing will start when live music starts again. I, I think there's something to that. Oh, I I couldn't agree more. And it's going to be such a relief uh, for the musicians who enjoy playing, but even more so for the musicians who have to play. Because without their the venues for them to go and show their craft off in, they, they, they don't have a living. They That's true. And... Uh, obviously, I mean, like we discussed, I have a day job and, and keep all those regular type things. But um, it's it's significant how much of a part of of my income this this was. Um, yep. So so to be able to play, to be able to go out and work, and and I would expect a lot of the musicians around town really haven't put the pen to paper and really thought about how much they're losing just on what's their kind of side hustle well that and you also and also just in skill level when you're not able to play yes you can still practice yes but there's nothing like actually performing to develop who you are as a performer and i'll find a, a bad habit for me is that i tend to operate a little bit better if i feel like i'm under some pressure like i gotta get this down for something yep and so it's hard to um it's hard to really keep motivated and and get things going right. Yeah, when you don't know when the the next time you're actually going to be under the pressure to make it happen properly. Right. I understand totally. Well, Jeremy, that we are going to uh, take another break here, and then we will come back. And in the future, what I hope to do with the show, and we chatted a little bit about this, but I'd like to announce to folks, uh, Jeremy, uh, we're going to try and get some musicians on in the future, do a few more of these, and uh, just expand the local music scene as part of Car Gab because, well, quite honestly, I just want to do it, and it's fun. I think I've got a great list of people to have have you talked to that's great well we'll be doing that in the future but for today we'll leave it in there and thanks for your time i really appreciate it, jeremy you bet take care we'll be back am 650 kga you're listening to cheyenne's news and talk station am 650 kgab orchard valley cheyenne a town square media station
Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors. The easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. Weather conditions will be unbeatable through this Easter weekend and into this Monday here across Cheyenne, the region. Enjoy highs in the lower to maybe in a few mid-70s. Nighttime lows, upper 30s to near 40 degrees. Days will be sunny to mostly sunny. Nights clear, dry through the stretch. Showers and some cooler weather arriving Monday night and the Tuesday. I'm Day Weather Meteorologist Mark Pure. And we're back, AM650, KGAB, Nick the Motor Guy, back here on Cargab. And I'm really proud to have somebody with me who, well, started as a business relationship, has kind of become a mentor and occasionally, hey, Nick, you got rose-tinted spectacles, which, as business people, we all need those reminders. Um, my uh, good friend, Chris Fletcher, and Kozaki district manager for this region. Chris, thanks for coming on today with me oh glad to nick uh it's fun to fun to have this uh opportunity to chat with you and your fans well you know we, we one of the joys of people in our industry be it cars or be it bikes is most of us who end up in here for a length of time that we'll we'll just leave it alone but it's been a while for both of us right Yes, sir. Um, we're enthusiasts, and we do it because it just drags you in. It becomes really a great thing between the people you meet, the companies you get to work for. Uh, and quite honestly, and I tell people this all the time, when they ask me, what about this machine, what about that machine? And if it's a Kawasaki against everything else, I have to look at it and go, well... I bleed green, so I'm just warning you ahead of time. And Kawasaki not only produces a magnificent vehicle, but the people who are in the company and the company itself, in my opinion, are as good as anybody out there. Well, that's wonderful for you to say, Nick, and it's something that I feel pretty strongly with, too. And, um, you know, I, I liken it to a disease. You know, we all kind of <laughs> have this disease when we were kids. Um, I blame it on my father, so... Uh, you know, but it's a, it's something that came into my life and it's stuck and it's never going away. So, and, you know, and having good relationships with our business partners, it's, like you were saying, it's just, it's fantastic. It's a, it makes it a really fun business. It really does. And your disease, and don't worry, I blame my father as well. Uh, so we're, we're alike in that one, but your disease has started pretty early age. Uh, why, why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, what I, I mean, I always loved bicycles. So growing up as a kid, I always had a bicycle, loved to ride in the dirt, loved to jump bicycles, all kinds of fun things like that. So it was like a, you know, with my dad having motorcycles, uh, brothers having motorcycles as I grew up. Um, you know, I just, I gained a liking to them at a very, I wouldn't say a young age as it, as it stands in concern it versus, uh, some other sports and such, but boy, by 10, 10, age of 10, I was um, playing on motorcycles, and by 11 and 12, I had already had a couple, and was uh, riding them, taking them apart, rebuilding them, sometimes <laughs> mashing two motorcycles together to get one, and uh, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was something that was 
kept me very occupied as a kid and honestly it kept me out of trouble yes i think that that that's a good piece of it and of course while you were doing that you didn't exactly have any intentions of doing this as for a living right Oh, no, no, it was something you kind of you think, oh, it'd be fun to work and doing this. But my head was so wrapped around just the the joy of being able to get out and ride and hang out with friends and and do those kinds of things. That that was the first thing. And it wasn't until a little bit later in life that I kind of figured out, hey, this could be a career. <laughs> but it was almost by mistake when it happened, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, for me, it was so. Um, I just ended up from a young age, younger age, I ended up racing uh, motorcycles in the dirt, motocross, and, uh, you know, with that, it just, I, I can say that from 13, 14 on, it was a part of my life riding and racing motorcycles in the dirt. So, so, so uh, we got to, I got to put you on the line here. Were they always green? No, they weren't. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Started out on a Chaparral 100 and ended up getting uh, Elsinore, Honda Elsinore 125, yeah. Honda Elsinore 50s, and uh, you know, kind of went from there. So you were a bit of a red guy then? Uh, I would say a little bit, yeah, early on. So. <laughs> well, and, look, and rightly so. They, I mean, they are brilliant machines, but... Yeah, yeah they, they're a good engineering company very similar to kawasaki absolutely absolutely and so when did when did you first really become aware of kawasaki and uh where did that come from uh, that was that was around 17 18 years old um and with that you know i just as i started racing more i just liked the green <laughs> you know became uh a fan of the green and some of the motorcycles that they had available like and you know really i started racing kx 500s at about 18 and uh that is a long. lunatic machine at any age but at 18 that was a handful it was a handful and i was a scrawny little runt so <laughs> i was kind of i could I guess I could move it a little bit better than most of the guys at that time. <laughs> so you you actually went to school for something entirely different, right? Yes, sir, I did. I did. Um, I went to school to be a dental hygienist, and I was actually going on to be an orthodontist. And before I decided that school was just not in the cards for me, you might say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm thinking staring in people's mouths against hanging with uh, motorcyclists and cool machines. I know which one I'm with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't take much to get me to switch. That's for sure. And when I was in uh, school doing my training, I that's where I uh, I'd worked at a motorcycle dealership part time, and actually I was racing bikes, and he was helping me with that, helping to sponsor me. So. With that, I was involved in working in dealer, a dealership and and getting to do what I wanted to do. So, you know, as, as far as part-time, it was just the ultimate job. So I really enjoyed that. Absolutely. I, I, and, I mean, it just kind of dragged you in. When, when did you first get the opportunity to go and work uh, for Kozaki Corporate? Because you, I mean, typical of so many people I've met with Kozaki Corporate over the last four or five years, once you become part of Kozaki, um, you, you don't leave. 
Yeah, it is, it is a company. It's more uh, family oriented, you might say. That you know, just everybody's really good to each other within the company, and uh, you know, it's it's you get a lot of support from different angles, mm-hmm. and just a lot of solid people that just showed me that wow, this is this is a good company. They build good product. They're out there trying to do good things, and and. They reward your people for it. So, well, my counterparts and people that I was working with, it was, I I was working with some 30, 40, and even 50 year in the industry people. And for the most part, most of those, their experiences were with Kawasaki that whole time. Which is incredible for a company that has been in the States now for only a little over 50 years. So they've had empl- the same employees almost in their entire U.S. history. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's it's not something that you see in today's world, that's for sure. It, it really isn't. And you can tell. I mean, as a dealer for you, I mean, obviously I pick up the phone and I, I call you and I, I always uh, get an answer. It may not always be what I want as an answer, but... It, I get the answers I need, and anybody I deal with, they're just they're just great people. And I I just want to make one point to everybody out there, and you've heard me say this before, but with Chris on, I'd like to reinforce it. One year ago, when everything got shut down, and power sports dealers like myself were in very very concerned about where we were going the first company to make phone calls and i received calls from chris and i got letters and emails from the ceo of the company saying you're okay we got you back and they did something which no other company did not to that extent and certainly not that quickly and i will be forever loyal and forever grateful because of that oh that's very good to hear sir and that's you know i i like that we we panicked, of course, but um, you know, within a short period of time, we quickly realized that hey, uh, people are still buying bikes. People are still wanting <laughs> to get out and spend time in nature, spend time with their families, and and so that you know, for us, we realized it fairly quickly, yeah. and you know, ended up redirecting and and you know, just trying to weather the storm and and keep keep businesses rolling, keep our dealerships healthy and, and move along. So and support your customers. And again, yeah. it, this is the joy of it. I've, it because we, because us as dealers know that we got a company like you at our backs, we can, we can be there for the customers absolutely without a doubt that we've got the backing we need. And I, I, I've been in business for 20 years now and there's no company that's ever done like that, like that for me. So wonderful! It's great. Thank you very much. Well, and Chris, of course, you're still enthusiastic. You still write occasionally, right? Even between all I, this running around after these difficult dealers like myself. Yeah, boy, they're a handful. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> no, I, I, I do joke. I tell people, well, you know, if I wanted to start riding dirt bikes like I used to, I'd probably have to get another job. But, but yeah, it's. Um, I'm working it out. I try to find time to balance it, and I love any minute I can spend on a dirt bike or a street bike, for that matter. So it's uh, just getting out and playing is a is a good thing for you. It's healthy. It's it. Uh, it's healthy it both physically and mentally. 
Certainly, certainly. And it, and it helps to keep us motivated, too. Absolutely. Well, Chris, I'm going to take a quick break here, and then we'll bring back in. Maybe we could talk about a couple of the new models he- headed our way, which have been announced already. Uh, maybe a little bit about the uh, rebirth of the granddaddy of them all, the KLR 650. So oh, sure. We'll be right That's back. Good. We'll be right back here. AM 650, KGAB. Olivia from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Dear Vet Ticks, it was nice to spend the night with my daughter and other veterans. It's so humbling to attend an event when you feel appreciated. I had a wonderful time with my family. Thank you for the memories, Vet Ticks. Dear Vet Ticks, thank you for a great experience and for your support of the military and veterans. Thank you so much, Vet Ticks. Our family has gone through a lot the last few years, and this gave us a nice break. Every empty seat at a concert, game, or special event is a missed opportunity to say thank you to a veteran or a service member. By giving your extra tickets to VetTix, you'll help America's heroes reduce stress, strengthen family bonds, and create a truly happy memory that will last a lifetime. So when you really want to say thank you for your service, give the experience, give the memory. VetTix, give something to those who gave. For more information on how you can make a difference, go to VetTix.org. Hey, I'm 650 KJB, Nick the Motor Guy, back here on uh, Car Gab, Bike Gab right now, with Chris Fletcher from Kawasaki, good friend, great mentor, great business partner for me at Sham Motorsports. And in this segment, we are going to talk about a couple of machines, which one of them has been part of Kawasaki's motorcycle life, my motorcycle life, many riders' motorcycles' lives over the last... Oh, 30 plus years, and that would be the KLR 650. Chris, it's pretty exciting. We finally got an updated KLR 650 coming sometime in 2021. I'm I'm so excited for it. Yes, sir. Me too. It's it's one of those bikes. Um, they call it the Swiss Army Knife motorcycle, as in it, you can do just about anything in it. Um, and it's you know it's great for adventuring and heading from here say like to the tip of south america and um, you know and tough as nails easy to work on simple uh, i mean and now with the added advantage the modernizations some updates on braking and suspension and probably the biggest one finally fuel injection Yes, sir. There's been a lot of people waiting for this motorcycle to get some updates. And uh, and the nice thing about it is 
with the model that they're releasing here shortly as a 2022 model year uh it's it's got a lot of those things that are taken care of and and the biggest feature i feel this bike has is its price tag uh, you know, it, it's not a plus ten thousand dollar motorcycle no, it's not I, it's, a lot of out there and and this bike you know boy it started out and it was probably around 35 39.99 and it's you know at this point we're up around seven thousand dollars in this with this type of motorcycle with it coming in at a couple different variations well we've and you know we we've seen a lot of manufacturers climbing on this adventure bike uh wagon something that quite honestly kawasaki with the klr pretty much invented yes there were others along the way but the klr is kind of the granddaddy of them all and when i when it was discontinued in 2018 we were all pretty despondent about it and we all wondered what it was going to be what what was going to happen and when you you guys announced the 2022 model i was excited for the specs but then when you announced that the price basically had not changed I mean, that, that is incredible. It's going to give access to a great all-around machine that you can go across the world on for a very, very, very reasonable price. Yeah, that's a fact, Nick. Um, yeah, it's, and that's the thing with this motorcycle. I've seen it uh, time and time again throughout my career that people did take these and ride them out around the world. And uh, I've seen them ride them up into Alaska, and tour all over so the nice thing is, is the motorcycle hasn't been ch changed dramatically over the years so boy wherever you go you're probably going to be able to find parts and pieces to to keep this thing on the road and not have any issue absolutely and it, again it, it just proves that it's something that uh, kawasaki's always been brilliant at they get it right early and they they then don't change a lot they just tweak it a little bit here and there and their, their engineering is so good at the beginning that it's something which uh, will, will grow with you yeah that's correct the, the changes are usually minimal and if it, if anything it's just making it that much better yeah so it's been fun to see this motorcycle morph from its beginning in about uh, 1985, I think is 84. Yeah. I think with the original KL 600. KLR 600. You're, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I, I had one, um, and it, it was a great machine. It still had a Kickstarter on it as well, and that could be a bear, but that's another story. Yeah, that is. That is. <laughs> Well, and we go from what is, in no disrespect to Kawasaki or the KLR, but we go from fairly basic four-stroke engineering and then occasionally over the last 50 years, Kawasaki just decides to completely throw the baby out with the bathwater, lose its mind, and produce a bike which completely reinvents the industry. They did it with the H2, the original H1 and H2 triple cylinder two strokes. They did it again with the twin cam Z900 Z1s back through uh, the 70s. They did it again with the GPZ900Rs, um, the Top Gun bike, because so many people think of it and Certainly. 
I and I think yet again with the ZX um, eleven in the early nineties, which was the first really safe, very very fast. Um, high high end sport bike. Uh, every time I've ridden one of those, I've gone, "Wow, this change this changes butt motorcycling right now." And in 2015, Kozaki did it again. Maybe you'd like to expand on that. Sure, sure. Yeah, they they're one company that doesn't sit on their hands. They when they want to innovate and lead in industry for the most part um they'll do that and and like you were saying in 2025 they did that with the as h2 and they had a h2r which these two came with a uh one of the first production superchargers that is put on a motorcycle and and vastly or produced in in a fair amount of numbers let's say yeah, I mean, in 2015, I mean, it just turned everything on its head. And the first time I, I rode an H2 variant, it's not just the almighty power that it makes. It's where and how it does it. I mean, with a, a high-performance four-stroke engine, we've all been used to the fact that with twin camshafts, aggressive cam timing, etc., etc., you've got to rev them. You've got to get them to spin to find the exciting stuff. And when you do find that exciting stuff, wow, does this bike give back. It's just incredible. Well, we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back and chat with Chris Moore on the incredible H2 and the incredible engineering behind this motorcycle and behind this company, which does so many special things in our industry and way beyond. We'll be right back. AM650 KGAB. Forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors, the easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. Weather conditions will be unbeatable through this Easter weekend and into this Monday here across Cheyenne, the region. Enjoy highs in the lower to maybe in a few mid-70s. Nighttime lows, upper 30s to near 40 degrees. Days will be sunny to mostly sunny. Nights clear, dry through the stretch. Showers and some cooler weather arriving Monday night into Tuesday. I'm Day Weather Meteorologist Mark Huer. Nick the Motor Guy back here on AM650 KGAB with uh, Chris Fletcher from Kawasaki. We've been talking about the 2015 H2 models, which have now morphed into many others. Chris, you were telling us a little bit about uh, what what got Kawasaki's juices flowing to produce this model. They are, as far as manufacturers go, they are one that wants to produce a leader. I mean, they want to annihilate the competition when it comes to building um, bikes for racing. And that, you know, that carries down all the way down to the KXs, KX250, KX450. And it's just something that is in our DNA. And, you know, like you were mentioning, going back to uh, Z1 and the H, original H2s, they, it's just always been in them to want to lead an industry. Yeah, and they've always kind of been the ones like, yeah, we have the most powerful bike. And with the H2R, I d I'm not sure that's ever, I mean, admittedly, not a road bike, but it is a semi-production bike. It's built in significant numbers. Um, and we're talking horsepower of? In excess of 300. <laughs> it is just so completely insane. insane. <laughs> yeah, power to rate. 
weight ratio on that motorcycle it, it's it's unheard of i mean it as far as that goes and uh, the numbers compare to uh, things like jets yeah other I'd... than cars or you know other things it's it's insane. And just to hear one, I mean, not just the H2R, but even the regular H2 series, I, every every gear shift, folks, I mean, I, I've ridden these and um, just every time you shift, you hear the the, the valves for the supercharged charger system whistle and it is it is so addictive. I, I, yeah. it, it, it encourages bad behavior. Oh, it's it has a feeling and sound similar to like an F F one race car. It does. Yeah, it's absolutely magnificent. And, of course, we've gone from the H2s, and as they've developed them, we then had even the incredibly comfortable, very, very versatile uh, touring, quotation marks, model in the H2 SXSE. Yeah, I had the joy to have one of those in my garage for a while, and that that was a phenomenal motorcycle, but it's it could be an everyday rider. Absolutely, but you gave it back? I yeah, it was a work bike. Let's say <laughs> yeah, I have to give it back. Oh. It's probably better for my uh, safety and especially my driving record. Well, yes, the driving record is an issue, and of course, last yeah. year we got the H two naked, which added not only um, the incredible supercharged engine, but then some very original aggressive styling, which is still, and this is one of the things they've done so well with the H2 series. There is absolutely no doubt what you are looking at. You cannot confuse this with any other machine on the road. No, it, you, you can't. And when you see it, it's just, it's, it's an amazing piece of art. And, uh, you know, hearing the supercharger, seeing it launch, it's, it's just an incredible, fun fun piece of machinery. And the original H2s, of course, they had the H2, the H2 Carbon, and the H2R. There is an yes, H2 Carbon in my future. Thank you, uh, Chris, for uh, managing to uh, get us one of those. I'm incredibly excited. That should, that should arrive at Shire Motorsports here within the next, oh, I'm hoping the next month or six weeks. That sounds about right. Yeah, those mm. those motorcycles are hand built, and uh, that's that's since inception. That's how they've done it. Uh, they would end up build one builder starts on that motorcycle, and that builder completes the motorcycle. So it's a, it's a really interesting concept, in especially in a production driven business that we our world's turned into. Yeah, and it just shows the passion that. Uh, Kawasaki as a company has because of course really the power sports side for Kawasaki is relatively tiny when you look at the the company as a whole as Kawasaki Heavy Industries yes sir and they're they are a global company and they, you know they love building helicopters uh, turbine engines to power power plants um, rail cars uh, heavy equipment down to string trimmers and of course, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that Kawasaki was the first Japanese manufacturer way back in 1973 to have a manufacturing plant here in the U.S. And it is still here in Lincoln, Nebraska and growing bigger. That is correct, Nick. Yeah, they, um, they've, it's morphed over the time frame and 
right now we're building a lot of side-by-side vehicles, ATV vehicles, uh, and personal watercraft vehicles out of that Lincoln, Nebraska plant. Uh, they've also, they're doing small engines for lawnmowers. And uh, next to that facility, they have a rail car company that is doing rail cars for all around the country, but specifically the New York City subway system. So many of you may well have ridden in a Kawasaki, even though you may never have been on a power sport unit in your life. But if you haven't, you should try it because it's fun. And again, of course, one other thing that a lot of people don't realize, and I didn't until I became more involved with Kawasaki through the dealership, is the tie-in with Boeing. Yeah, yeah. They're doing uh, plane fuselages, pieces, and parts for Boeing, and, and different other military contracts as well. But um, they, uh, they're they also doing items for uh, the Space Center, Yeah, and they're involved in that as well. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Well, Chris... Thank you for your time today. Thank you for sharing your passion for the industry, for motorcycles as a whole, and for Kawasaki as a company. So I could not be more proud to be involved with all of you. And thanks for your time today. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you bringing me on your show, Nick. And it's it's been fun working with you. And I love what you're doing. And keep up the great work. We will. We're gonna we're gonna keep doing it together. Take care, my friend. Bye bye. Fantastic. Bye. Olivia from Washington. <clears throat> Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Dear Vet Ticks, it was nice to spend the night with my daughter and other veterans. It's so humbling to attend an event when you feel appreciated. I had a wonderful time with my family. Thank you for the memories, Vet Ticks. Dear Vet Ticks, thank you for a great experience and for your support of the military and veterans. Thank you so much, Vet Ticks. Our family has gone through a lot the last few years, and this gave us a nice break. Every empty seat at a concert, game, or special event is a missed opportunity to say thank you to a veteran or a service member. By giving your extra tickets to Vet Ticks, you'll help America's heroes reduce stress, strengthen family bonds, and create a truly happy memory that will last a lifetime. So when you really want to say thank you for your service, give the experience. Give the memory. Vetex. Give something to those who gave. For more information on how you can make a difference, go to vetex.org. Ladies and gentlemen, today's opponents on Man versus Train. At the crossing, we have Rick, a 175-pound frustrated man who's running late for work. And on the tracks, we have Bull, a million-pound freight train that takes a mile to stop. Let's see who comes out on top. 
You can't beat a train, so don't try. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. And today with me, I am proud as ever and all the way from Great Britain. And of course, many of you have heard my father, Hugh Dodson, with me over the years. Did our first Cargab show ever before the show even had a name way back in uh, November of 2007. I'm proud to have my father back on today and we can uh, have some... I don't know, some conversations. You may have heard these stories before, you may not have, but they're always fun, and one of the best parts is I get to record these, so that they're down for posterity. Anyway, good morning, dear father. How are you? I am very well, and how very nice to hear you. I'm appalled to think how long the show has been going on. I very much remember, very happily, the first one we did, do you remember we sat in the car driving down to the studio and said, what are we going to talk about? We really ought to do some planning. No, we didn't, and we still haven't. And of course, we did spend many hours over the last three minutes working out what we were going to talk about today, and we realized that, well, we're just going to do the same thing and have some fun with this, and that's what this is going to be about. So, you know, I want to go back. That first show, I wish it was recorded um, in some ways, although with my complete lack of ability in those days, not that it's improved greatly, um, probably a good thing it wasn't but when what i am and what i have become in the car and motorcycle fanatic thing that is me it, you, you do realize is entirely your fault oh well my back is broad fortunately i get blamed for everything oh yes you poor thing i i'm just sure <laughs> i'm sure my, my mother's in the background going yes oh you poor thing did you hear it? I, I, <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> no, Nick, honestly, over, over the many years, whether it was sitting around the dining room table or whether it was going for miles and miles in the car, the one thing we never had a problem was is thinking about what we would talk about. Well, as, um, as Shrek says about uh, Donkey, it's not getting him to talk that's the problem. <laughs> Thinking of things to talk about on motorcycles and anything with engines and steam and railways and all the rest of it, there's so much to talk about. and It's all been such fun. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, and of course, where did your, what was your first memory of something automotive? And of course, it's strange that I've ended up, well, not strange, it's probably uh, fate that I ended up doing what I've done. But of course, your father was in the automotive, the trucking industry more, but he was involved in the industry when he worked. Uh, yeah, um, and it goes back even further. Um, he had a, a very hard time when he came home from India in the 1930s. Um, he'd been with um, two firms in, in uh, India, um, having been in the First World War, um, and there were no jobs here. So he, like his brothers, um, took himself off to India and he worked for uh, an agricultural um, machinery company initially who also imported um, Model T Fords in KD form. And KD form or CKD, complete knockdown. So they basically, yeah. they came a bit like a power sports unit today. They come in a crate and you bolt them together, right? Absolutely, and I have got some pictures somewhere, um, I think you may even have copies of them, of 
the buffalo carts coming in with big boxes on the back, and about an hour later, there was a Model T Ford. Yep. And the original kit car. Yeah, and of course, the the Model T being the first production car on a production line, although by the time it came in CKD, it wasn't really a production line. It was probably more of a large shed. The the shed was unbelievable. It didn't even have a hard surface floor. It was dirt. Yeah. (laughs) It was absolutely wonderful. Anyway, the old boy, he did that first, and then he moved on and uh, became an agent for Dunlop's. And uh, he came back to England in the mid-30s with a promise from Dunlop for an executive position, which they reneged on. Yep. So the Boyle thing was, was out of work, and a very good friend of his, um, Dizzy Disternal, who was the next Royal Engineer, um, a much decorated Royal Engineer officer, and one of the um, funniest people I've ever met. He was, uh, and just for people, I I met uh, w- uh, this family friend known as Dizzy, um, and Dizzy was everything that an adult should be but shouldn't be um, to a seven-year-old child. He did all the misbehaving things which just delighted me as a kid, and I have great memories of him. (laughs) So have I. He was was another father to me. He taught me all terrible things, like sitting in the garden where they'd got a pond, and he'd get a bowl of cherries, and we would sit on the bench, and we had to spit the stones from the cherries into the pond. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we competed over this. And here was a man who was older than my father, actually, behaving like an absolute lunatic. Well, I always remember his dear wife, Phyllis, being absolutely horrified at the things he was teaching to my sister Izzy and myself. All you heard was, a, Eric, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> they, they lived in uh, a, a little town east of London called Loughton. And I used to go there when my sister was being taken back to school. I would have a lovely day uh, with them. And uh, as you went in the front door, the staircase went up to the second floor. And at the top, Phyllis had a little table with an arrangement of um, flowers and grasses and sort of feathers. And it was in a pot at the top. And Dizzy used to think it was tremendous fun if I stayed at the bottom (laughs) and he would get the grasses and he would hurl them down the stairs with the intention of spearing me. Yes, which of course was terribly, you know, um, uh, responsible. (laughs) Once it was done, of course, he ran out of... of Ammunition, yes. Phil, dear old Phyllis, she didn't understand the fact that if she then collected them and put them back in the pot with a, oh, Eric, as she always did. Then he had more ammunition. And this would go on for, for hours. <laughs> Tremendous fun. Anyway, he, he gave my father a job um, in what was called magpie engineering. And then came the war, and magpie engineering was given a contract to um, maintain um, delivery trucks uh, uh, distributing ammunition around uh, the London area, so they were—it was a reserved occupation, as they called it. 
so he didn't have to go back into the army, nor nor did Dizzy. So well, of course, they were they were both pretty good age even then at, th at that point. Ah, uh, yeah. I, my father was born in um, eighteen ninety eight, so he was uh, he was forty forty ish when the war started. Yeah. Um, and Dizzy was probably forty five, forty six, a little bit older. Um, and they ran this business with a man who became my godfather, Hugh Blundell Hawks. Mm -hmm. And the three of them were juvenile delinquents. <laughs> they were appalling. Uh, I wonder where we got it from. Well, that was exactly what I was going to say to your listeners. <laughs> Why is it not a surprise that you and I are as we are? <laughs> uh, they used to have um, a fleet of Humber one-ton trucks. Um, for delivering all this stuff, and of course, they, but because the the services, particularly the army and the ak batteries, were in desperate need of ammunition constantly, the one-tonners were desperately overloaded. Yeah, um, and they trundle off um, to the the war sites with their loads, um, and usually come back with either certainly broken springs and broken axles. So they were all pretty busy. Um, but the War Department wasn't satisfied that they were doing enough, so my father and Dizzy and, and Hugh Bluntle-Hawks would be hauled off the, the workshop floor um, in East London and would be taken off to do fire-watching. And that was where you stood on the top of a high building um, and looking out for where the incendiary bombs were being dropped on London and if one of those actually ignited a fire, they had to phone and inform a central uh, authority who'd get the fire engines out there and the rescue people to try and help. Um, and he spent some pretty cold, miserable nights sitting up on what was then called the Board of Trade Building up by Charing Cross Station. Um, hours and hours of staying there, phoning in, saying oh, a whole number of incendiaries just been dropped over Shoreditch or wherever else, and directing the fire engines to get to it. Yeah, an incredibly important job. Well, it, it, yes, it was. Uh, I don't think they were ever really regarded as being anything other than, um, well, they're helping a bit. Well, that uh, was the, that's so panic. typical when you listen to history and you listen to folks who, and of course, most people are now longer no longer with us. Um, but they just counted it as part of being, uh, you know, the the typical British stiff upper lip almost. Well, they just got on with it. Yeah, it something that had to be done. Um, and uh, if this was going to help the war effort, well, they all rallied round. And uh, um, after the Battle of Britain in 1941, um, we, we uh, my mother, my sister and I had been shafted off to um, uh, west, uh, a little town the west of England. And quite honestly, we knew nothing about the war. Nothing ever happened over there. Yeah. So it was all a bit of a mystery when poor old father traipsed down there to see us the occasional weekend and spent virtually his entire time fast asleep. He was absolutely knackered. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, and of course, uh, also probably both both mentally and physically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, by, time, by 1943, there was some sort of thought 
completely wrong as it happened that the war was coming to an end. Yeah. And we were brought back to um, a village the, uh, on the east side of London, which was could not have been a worse choice, honestly. We had the wonderful North Weald Air Defence uh, RAF base just up the road from us, where the Spitfires and Hurricanes were constantly fighting off uh, the Germans coming in to bomb London. Yeah. And we were there... Um, as the V1s, the doodlebugs, and then the V2s arrived. And uh, I suppose one has to look at this. The fact is really rather lucky that you're able to sit in America, because if I had been killed by the V2 that landed just up the road from us, no one would ever have known no me. One it would be very sad. Well, well, it would certainly, yes, appalling. And uh, I, I want to go back to that story here in a minute. So we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with more stories here on AM650 KGAB. And we're back on Carl Gadd, Nick the Motor Guy, with a recorded show, and I'm very, again, very proud to have my father, Hugh Dodson, on. I, we were talking in the uh, break about uh, my grandfather and his, uh, his history in the automotive industry, and then a little bit of World War II, which unfortunately... Um, well, fortunately, unfortunately, but was a big part of many people's lives who grew up, grew up in Britain, such as such as yourself, including a rather rather close escape from uh, one of the uh, V twos. Correct? Yep. Um, January nineteen forty five. Forty forty five. Nineteen forty five. No, right at the end. Right at the, it was right at the end. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of rockets coming out, sadly, um, from um, mostly from Holland. And the one that uh, nearly removed the family um, was... was, was what, a, what a way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> well, a more elegant way of saying it. Really snuffed us out. <laughs> anyway, it, it, it uh, landed up the road, uh, demolished a little church, um, took our roof off, took all our windows out, and, uh, well, we survived it. It was just one of those things, but it was, my God, it was a hell of a bang when it went off. I, I'm sure, I'm sure. That, that, that is a memory that never leaves. Uh, no, you'll remember that one. The other thing I must remember, too, also, is the fact that we had a cat at the time, <laughs> and the overpressure um, of the uh, warhead going off blew out the, the windows and opened the back door. And the cat who'd been asleep in the kitchen <laughs> felt itself obviously quite assaulted by this door suddenly bursting open, rushed down the garden and proceeded to have the most appalling fight with next door's cat. And all I can remember now is that a huge explosion and this cat fight. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, uh, next door's cat was bl blamed for the German rockets. Completely, the whole thing. Yeah, why the hell did you do that? <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, gee, that's wonderful. So we we continue out of the war and into the late forties, and of course, you were at school, and my grandfather at that point went on to. He went to work for, for Guy Trucks and became the export manager. And then he went from Guy to Atkinson. 
Um, and these are names. A, these are name plates that won't be familiar to many people here in the states. Although they, one or other of them, produced fire trucks at one stage, which may have come here. Is that right? Uh, yes, indeed. Um, Atkinson um, had some pretty big um, uh, chassis, um, and they went all over the world. Um, my father had a, a, a big contract in the war places, Ethiopia, and those trucks are still in existence. Um, some went to South America. My mother's connections in Argentina made that possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but those names have all gone now. We we don't have trucks called uh, Guy and Atkinson and Foden. And, They've all gone. And Dennis, and, right? Yeah, and dear old Dennis in Guildford, who, <laughs> who made some of the finest fire engines and coaches you could wish to, to travel in. It's, uh, yeah, I, it was, I really was the center of truck building, I, I, where, uh, that didn't really happen so much in America. A lot of the trucks all around the world came out of Britain, and that was, it was, pro- I mean, this really was the, I mean, without being too rude, but the last gasps of the British Empire. Uh, yes, well, I think that's probably true. Uh, we, we got ourselves, I think, as a nation into the, the frame of mind that our empire would always buy whatever we produced and would pay for it. And slowly but surely they realized that this may be a, there's a better way of doing this, have industry um, in their own countries. So British Ford went to the India, as I referred to earlier, and factories were opened all over the place. And then suddenly we found, hey, we're not getting any money. We're not selling these things. Yeah, and my father, as an export manager, um, was desperately looking for opportunities. Uh, he was going all over the world at that stage. Wonderful DC sixes, loved them. <laughs> Wonderful old airplane. He absolutely loved being in a DC six. <laughs> and he he was flying to Canada, and um, he was up in Finland regularly, um, all over the place, trying to flog, quite honestly, trucks and cars to some degree um designs which had long since failed yeah and you you know it as well as anyone nick to what we did with the motorcycle industry we just never developed well no we we uh, the british uh industry was so poorly run at that point we were relying on what were brilliant designs 30 40 50 years earlier built on the same machinery from 30 40 50 years earlier and uh, tolerances which were measured in the thousands then once the machinery had all worn down were now measured not quite in inches that might be a little excessive but it wasn't far off it was what was happily known as slop <laughs> it's a horrible name that <laughs> a bit sloppy <laughs> yeah don't worry it's about the knock yeah don't worry about the knocks put a thicker oil in yeah no, just put a little shim behind that bearing it'll be all right <laughs> It's terrible. It's a, I mean, the standard of some of that work that came out in the this, um, our post-war 45, early 50s, I, it was disgraceful. Yeah, it I really was. I thought that people would buy it because it was British. Yes, well, they did. That was the bad part. Um, some pe- uh, people still believe they were getting um, great engineering. I, and it's amazing how lot it shows the brilliance of the original design. I, if we were to look at probably the longest living, which 
tragically, tragically, maybe not tragically, has finally met its demise. But the Royal Enfield Classic 350 and Classic 500, which actually are going to be replaced in six days by a brand new engine, um, that is directly related to the bullets from Royal Enfield in 1938. So that engine yep. lasted 81 years. Uh, that, that's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it, it, look at the the um, the Mini, the proper Mini, not the BMW thing. Yes, not our awful BMW thing. That engine <laughs> came into being the year that I was born, in 1937. Yep. And it was an 850 side valve, if I remember correctly. Or flathead for the American audience. Yep, that's the one. And I, that was still in production. What, 10 years ago? Uh, 2000-ish, I think. So 20 years ago now. I think by 0203, I think it had pretty much disappeared. Although, who knows? There may be some country in Africa that's still bolting something together with an A-series. Well, remember what the Hindustan is. (laughs) Absolutely. It's a Hillman, isn't it? Or is it a Humber? Uh, it's, it's an Austin, I think. Oh, is it? An, oh, that's right. It's yeah. Or and they even made a version of it in um, Iran, which was based off the old Morris Oxford and Austin Cambridge. That's I remember right. exactly. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that um, equipment that built it was precisely the equipment that had been in the British uh, workshops. Yeah, and, and <laughs> incredible, amazing. Well, we're going to take thought- a we're going to take another break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to hear more from you, more stories, more just well, we're just going to chat about the automotive industry and how it's. Uh, developed or not developed over the years but we'll be right back am 650 kgab millions plan for retirement online estimate your future benefits apply for retirement and manage your benefits all from the comfort of your home and give yourself the freedom to do what you want offline social security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime anywhere allowing you to spend more time with family friends or simply just enjoying the day Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. You're listening to Cheyenne's News and Talk Station, AM 650, KGAB, Orchard Valley, Cheyenne, a town square media station. Crossings at our southern border are at a 15-year high. I'm Pam Puso, Fox News. As migrants keep coming, the White House keeps finding new places to put them. More than 18,000 children are unaccompanied minors who have crossed the border. But now the White House is telling us that in 80% of those cases, the child has a family member that lives in the U.S. And in 40% of the cases, that relative is actually their parent or a guardian. And that's exactly what we saw with those two little girls in El Paso. Fox's Alex Hogan. The girls were dropped 14 feet over a border wall. Fox News has learned the children's mother lives in New York. Another example of anti-Asian violence. Police in Charlotte, North Carolina say a man trashed a convenience store owned by Korean Americans this week. Surveillance video shows the man pulling a merchandise rack to the floor and breaking the glass of the refrigerator cases. The suspect, who faces a number of charges, including robbery with a dangerous weapon, apparently yelled racial slurs while wielding a metal post. The son of the shopkeeper says he hears insults every day, like, go back to your country. 
Two former presidents have two very different takes on Major League Baseball's decision to move its all-star game out of Atlanta. While former President Trump is urging baseball fans to boycott the sport, former President Obama is applauding the action, tweeting in part, there's no better way for America's pastime to honor the great Hank Aaron. Georgia's Republican governor says the knee-jerk reaction to the state's new voting laws will hurt Atlanta's economy. Major League Baseball has folded up and cave to the cancel culture and a bunch of liberal lies. Democrats say the new laws will adversely impact black voters. America's listening to Fox News. Connect to Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app. The Voices America Trusts. Download it now. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. This new show will feature deep dive interviews with newsmakers and some of your favorite Fox News analysts. I hope you'll join me. Subscribe to the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. In Virginia, the legalization of recreational marijuana can't come soon enough for the governor. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam wants his Commonwealth's legislature to legalize marijuana for recreational use for adults starting July. Existing bills would have pushed that date until 2024, but Northam wants it sooner. The law would also allow Virginians to grow their own at home. Marijuana continues to be illegal at the federal level, and despite state laws, buyers and users can be subject to federal prosecution for drug trafficking. Eben Brown, Fox News. Vaccinations against the coronavirus are being offered to farm workers in California. Volunteers say the thousands of people who work the fields are especially vulnerable to the virus since they live in cramped quarters and travel to farms inside packed vehicles. Many who cross the border with Mexico every day are offered vaccinations as soon as they enter the U.S. California was the first state to make farm workers eligible. Wedding bells and then some in Las Vegas on a very special date. Call it marriage by the numbers. The county clerk's office in Las Vegas was in a whirl Friday as brides and grooms-to-be applied for marriage licenses ahead of a unique date on the calendar, 4321. Nearly 700 couples saying their I do's on this 3rd of April, and the Clark County Marriage Bureau marked the occasion with keepsake marriage certificates. County Clerk Lynn Goya calls days like 4321 specialty dates, but they can't hold a candle to the palindrome dates, those that read the same frontwards or backwards. Over 2,700 couples tied the knot on 10-10-10, but even that date can't compare to 7-7-7, where nearly 4,500 took the plunge with or without Elvis. That's Fox's Karen McHugh. I'm Pam Puso, and this is Fox News.